We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what is up everybody welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl we are here to break down the big packers victory over the new orleans saints in preseason a 20 to 10 victory the Packers' first preseason victory since 2019. They did not win a preseason game a season ago. And remember in 2020, there was no preseason. So it has been a hot second since they had a preseason win. So they finally get that huge preseason victory with a home win against the Saints. A mostly what I would sort of describe as a nondescript game. I think there were certainly some moments, and we're going to talk about Jordan Love. I think that was probably the biggest takeaway from the game, and we'll probably spend the majority of the time talking about that. Um, I thought there were, you know, Isaiah McDuffie had a nice game. There were a couple other ones, but uh, I would say a mostly nondescript game, very sloppy, some penalties, some special teams miscues on on both sides. You have the Saints just fumbling a snap that Sean Davis picks up. Um, But, you know, it was a a sloppy preseason performance, I I think, overall. Um, and, And again, I don't think there was like... Outside of Jordan Love, which again, we're going to talk about in just a moment, I don't think there's anyone that you would point to and be like, holy cow, like that was just like a unbelievable performance and they've earned themselves a roster spot. And some of that's going to happen in preseason, right? Like you're not playing 30 guys in this game for the Packers didn't play, including, you know, almost all of your primary starters and those sort of things. So uh, that is to be expected in some capacity, but Jordan Love, as I mentioned, was definitely a takeaway in this game. And I was shocked, quite frankly, when I went to the box score at the end of the game and it listed 12 of 24 for 113 yards and a touchdown for Jordan Love. And this is the second straight week where the box score does not do Jordan Love justice. Now, two totally different ways, right? Two totally different games. Last week, he's got the three interceptions and it just, it didn't tell the story of, of what actually happened there. Tyler Davis had the drop, Dobbs had the opportunity. They're just plays that, you know, it, it wasn't as bad as the box score looked. And I know Bears fans and others had a field day with, oh, Jordan Love's terrible. And you just... You know, you, you, there were, there's a lot to work on from a film standpoint and things that he could have done better, but uh, the box score did not do him justice in that regards. And now, same thing in, in a different vein this week, because you've got a quarterback that I thought 
looked as as good as he's looked in a game setting with hitting players in stride, having some absolute dimes, some beautiful balls down the field. And once again, his wide receivers just didn't do him justice. You had you know, the, the ball on the opening drive to Romeo Dobbs, where I thought Dobbs didn't do a great job of tracking the ball. I thought that was a really nice ball uh, by Jordan Love. You had the Samori Toure uh, pass. That was uh, a beautiful pass that fell incomplete. Even like the one of my favorite plays was the the red zone play where he like dances around and scrambles and buys time and buys time. And then he threw that sideline pass to Patrick Taylor. Now that's a tough play for Patrick Taylor. And I, I do believe as beautiful as a throw that that was, if you look at it closely to just put it in a spot where only his guy could get it, where there was almost no options anywhere to buy that time and, and then throw an absolute laser, like fading away. Like that was some Aaron Rodgers level stuff. And, you know, if you want to talk about the Jared Cook sideline pass, we've had some Jordy Nelson sideline passes. Like this was a impressive sideline pass. I do think that even if that's like a, you know, if Jerry Rice is on the sidelines there, I do think it, you know, it brought him just a little bit too far out of bounds to be able to get the feet down, but maybe not. And it was really freaking close. That was one of my favorite, you know, plays of the day. And again, it's Patrick Taylor. So I don't put any uh, blame on Patrick Taylor for that. That's a near impossible play uh, for him to make in that situation. But I thought that was still an impressive play that, that Jordan Love made. I thought he, you know, he stepped up in the pocket, even on the very first play, he scrambled and picked up 11 yards he just seemed to have a bit more confidence. Now, there were a couple plays, clearly, that he would like to have back. And, and you know, I think, you know, the DeGuara play in the flat, I thought there was a play, you know, a couple plays over the middle of the field. There was an out route to Amari Rodgers. There were some plays uh, that, you know, he would have liked to have back. But, man, again, some of those drops I mentioned, Amari Rodgers, you know, had a drop in the middle of the field. He had another ball where I thought he needed to do a better job of coming back to the football. Uh, I just looked at this as like, you know, Jordan Love could have maybe been 20 of 24 for like 250 yards and maybe a couple touchdowns. And that would have been a lot more appropriate based on the way that he played this game. So that that's a box score standpoint, right? But the box score doesn't matter. It's a preseason game. What does matter is the progression of Jordan Love. And I loved how he looked at practice on Wednesday against the Saints defense, you know, in, in a you know, a competitive setting. I thought he had his best day of practice. And I thought the big question was, would he be able to carry that over? And I thought he once again moved the ball very well. He had the beautiful touchdown pass to Romeo Dobbs. A lot of the other aforementioned throws that weren't unfortunately caught or brought down by his wide receivers. And overall, just a confidence, a little bit of moxie almost at times. I, I loved how he navigated the pocket. I loved how he bought time when he needed to buy time. I just thought this was a very sound performance. To be fair and just to, you know, I think put it everything into perspective, you know, I think one of the things that, you know, we're going to have to wait and see on is when teams would start game planning for Jordan Love and start throwing exotic stuff at him, right? This is preseason. This is very vanilla. You need to make some of those plays. But even Jordan Love, how he's using his eyes down the field, even as he's going through his progressions, even as he's like having his feet set better and his feet aren't like just getting static in the pocket. They're moving around. They're, as you're going, as he's going left, his feet are going left. As he's going right, his feet are going right, right? So like just some of those sort of things. Accuracy still remains an issue at times. You still need to hit some of the layups in the flat and those sort of things. But overall, I thought this was a very big positive in the right direction. And I thought this was a really one of our very first glimpses in game, you know, in a game 
where you could see enough puzzle pieces of Jordan Love put together where you you know you're still missing a few pieces, but like you start to see the vision and you start to see the picture and you start to see a world where maybe the end product does exist and that ceiling can be reached. It's not close to there in my opinion, but it's getting a lot, a lot better. And I, I think, again, even just seeing those glimpses and seeing what it could potentially look like is pretty special because some of those throws, I mean, some of those throws, the the Winfrey, Winfrey throw in stride, the Romeo Dobbs throw in stride, the red zone fade to Romeo Dobbs, like there were some absolutely beautiful balls. And many of them, as Matt LaFleur mentioned, with pressure in Jordan Love's face, that is not an easy thing to do. So we have seen Jordan Love take what I thought earlier were steps. I thought at, at the beginning of training camp and even going into family night, and even really in that first preseason game, I thought they were not baby steps, but like we're still in the very beginning stages. Over this past week, especially the practice against the Saints on Wednesday and now this game, like I think we're starting to see some pretty significant steps. And I still would say at this point, I think Jordan Love has developed this season into a potentially good to very good backup quarterback. I don't think he's ready still for the full reins of a NFL offense and doing some of those things. I still think he's going to take time. To be fair to Jordan, I think the only way he gets there is with true reps week after week after week and learning from his mistakes and getting that. So there, it, it's just a natural part of the process for an NFL quarterback. If you're not getting those consistent reps, it's really hard to sort of get better. So I think that's that's part of the process and we'll see if and when Jordan Love gets that opportunity in Green Bay. And when he does get those consistent reps, not just in practice and in games and like all of it, I think we're going to start to see hopefully that progress start to come a little bit quicker as he get you know gets more reps within the offense and those sort of things. It's 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 like mastering anything, right? You, you do it enough times and it's just going to come natural to you. And you can still see at times where there's a it's a lot better from a natural standpoint for Jordan Love, but there's still points where it's just a little bit unnatural or his mechanics start to fail him, his accuracy starts to fail him. I think all of that's thinking and learning and as we're seeing, and Matt LaFleur mentioned it a season ago, he wanted to see him rip it. Now we're seeing him rip it. And I think the next step in that progression is ripping it with confidence, with consistency, play after play after play. And not having those plays where DeGuara is open in the flat and you miss him. Not having a play where Rodgers is open on an out and you miss him. Those are some of the issues that he's going to have to continue to work on. But Give Tom Clements a lot of credit. You can tell the work and time and effort that he's put in. And beyond that, Aaron Rodgers in his press conference, or like not press conference, in the uh, like sideline interview, mentioned Tom Clements and his development of Jordan Love. Matt LaFleur unprompted asked about Tom or mentioned Tom Clements and his development of Jordan Love. So Tom Clements is, is doing very, very, very good work. And how like interesting that bringing back Tom Clements seemingly, and I think very much at the time was a olive branch to Aaron Rodgers to help get him to come back to Green Bay. And here, that hire might be the guy, just might be the guy that can unlock the true talent of Jordan Love. So 12 of 24, 113 yards, a touchdown, three carries, 13 yards. Once again, does not do justice to what Jordan Love did in this game. I'm hoping I can get all 22 this week so I can take a closer look at it. But man, at first glance and on rewatch on the the film or on the non-film on the TV copy, 
I was I was very impressed, very encouraged, and I think this was a pretty significant step in the right direction. One unit that did not take a significant step in the right direction was the special teams. They allowed a 59-yard kick return, a 15-yard punt return. They had a punt where they had 12 men on, or a punt return where they had 12 men on the field. They had a punt return where they had 10 men on the field. They had a holding penalty. Rico Gafford had only an 18-yard kick return. It just still showed signs of pure ugliness. And that has got to be something that gets corrected. And I know this isn't the finished product on special teams, meaning there's guys that are going to play on Sundays on special teams that they didn't have. But a lot of these guys are the core special teamers. And even if they're not, and even if it's preseason, you can't have 12 men on the field on a punt return. You can't have 10 men on the field on a punt return. Having one of those in the entire preseason would have been like, that can't happen. Having two back-to-back punt returns where you can't line up with 11 guys twice. You have three special teams coaches. You have, let me say that again. You have three special teams coaches. How is one of them not focused on and intent on, do we have 11 players on the field? Like it just is something that can happen. I know it's preseason. I know you've got some guys that are just new to the team. You've got, you know, Micah Abernathy's and new safeties and like new guys coming in just at the last second. I get some of that, but you've just got to work through that. And that is going to be something from a coaching standpoint that this special teams has been abysmal for a while. And I get that the culture change is going to hurt, but you got to just do the basics. Getting, it doesn't get, it does not get more basic than putting 11 guys out on the field. Just a totally egregious, stupid, ridiculous, like special teams, whatever that they have to continue to go through. It is unbelievable. And it's special teams coordinator after special teams coordinator. And I'm hopeful. And I think Rich Basashi is going to get this turned around and going in the right direction. But the early returns these past couple weeks have not been great at all. And the Packers now have a game against the Vikings in you know a few weeks, and they're going to need a very good special teams to win that. And I'm going to, I might do a, a bigger video on this at some point, but one of the things that is going to be so important for this season, we're all thinking, I think in some capacity that this could be a much more def, you know defensive oriented season for the Packers than certainly in years past, right? Offense might take some time to sort of get on the same page and gel together and just get guys like Bakhtiari, Tunyon, Jenkins, and um, you know Christian Watson all on the same page. Like It's just going to take a little bit of time, and it's probably going to be a, a defense that has the opportunity to be really good. Defense and special teams go hand-to-hand. Like If you have a really bad special teams and you're setting your defense up for failure, that's going to make things really hard. So this special teams, if they want to be a defensive football team, the special teams has to come through, pin the opponents deep in other, you know, their their own end zone. Give this defense a chance to really, you know, grind down opponents and say like, hey, you're not going 80 yards on us. But if you're having a poor special teams performance, that's just going to make things easier. Like here, here's a, <clears throat> excuse me, here's a, here's a great example, right? That, um, I think it was the big kick return, the 59-yard kick return. And correct me if I'm wrong, there was, there was some big special teams play, and I'm pretty sure it was the kick return, um, where they get all the way down in Green Bay's territory, and then the defense stops them, and then the um, you know they they kick like a 59-yard field goal. It was, so like that's three points that the defense allowed that the defense didn't do anything. 
the, like the defense did their job. They got like a three and out. And in fact, I think the, I think the saints went backwards on the drive if memory serves. Like, I think they got the big return. And then I think they had like some sort of holding penalty. And then they kicked a 59 yard field goal. The saints special teams got like, they, they did all the heavy lifting to get that three points. They had the big return, the offense goes backwards, and then they kick a 59-yard field goal. Meanwhile, I know Green Bay can't do a, like a ton about allowing a 59-yard field goal, but the only reason they're in that, uh, that situation is because they allowed the big kick return for 59 yards. The special teams allowed three points, not the defense. So those, if you're going to be a defensive football team, the special teams needs to be better. It wasn't. And in two preseason games now, there's some significant concern there of like, will this get turned around in time for the start of the regular season? We shall see. One thing that did go pretty well was Pat O'Donnell. Now he hit one punt pretty poorly that got a a very favorable bounce. But overall, uh, he had a really nice day, three punts pinned inside the opponent's 20 yard line. And I thought he punted the ball overall fairly well, especially with some wind, some rain, things like that. So um, decent day, or I would even say a pretty good day for Pat O'Donnell. That's something that they can hopefully build off. The new kicker looked really good. So some positives uh, with special teams, but overall just way too many mistakes still. One of the biggest things that we always look at of any game, but certainly in a preseason game as well, is injuries. Uh, it's not like Matt LaFleur was giving us an injury report after the game. In fact, I don't think he even got asked about uh, Vernon Scott. I know he didn't because I was there. Uh, but uh, Vernon Scott seems to be, at least at first glance, the, the, guy, the only guy that went out with an injury and did not come back. It did look potentially, it was a shoulder injury of some sort. I don't know if it was a stinger or a collarbone or a separated shoulder. I don't know, right? So, um, but it seemed like he was in some pain. He did not return. I didn't see him on the sideline. We were kind of looking for him, but I didn't, I didn't see him on the sideline. But the Packers safeties uh, have really been snake bit, right? Innis Gaines, Darnell Savage, Tariq Carpenter, Vernon Scott, Dallin Levitt. They've got five safeties on the injured, li- or like not on the injured list, but injured in some capacity right now. So uh, the, the pickings are slim. Sean Davis had a nice fumble recovery, although literally the ball bounced right to him. I think Sean Davis was the one that's at fault on that Chris Olave touchdown. I think he's got to get over there quicker. Um, if I get all 22, I'll take a closer look at that. But um, we went through the TV copy a couple times. Looked like uh, he probably should have gotten over that. Uh, but speaking of safeties, one of the things that I'm an absolute sucker for in preseason is just a, a good, you know, undrafted free agent story or some guy that just gets picked up on the team. How about Micah Abernathy, who had a couple tackles, an interception where Taysom Hill fell down on the play, right? It's not like Micah Abernathy like baited the quarterback and undercut a route and like took it, you know, but he had pretty acrobatic catch, getting the knee down in bounds and, and, you know, maintaining possession through contact. That was not an easy catch. Micah Abernathy, guy they just pick up, gets added to the safety group, and now is playing a ton because of all the safety injuries, gets a big interception. I just love those moments in the preseason where a guy gets an opportunity. And listen, that might be the biggest moment of Micah Abernathy's football career. There may not be anything bigger for him than getting an interception in preseason game at Lambeau Field in front of 70,000 fans. Those are just cool moments. And I love that for him. And by the way, Matt LaFleur, when uh, I forget who asked him, somebody asked him like, who stood out on defense? It might've been Spofford, but like who, who stood out on defense? And the very first name that he mentioned was Mike Abernathy. So go out, make some plays. You never know what's going to happen. I think, I think it was, I don't think it was Atari Bigby. I think it was uh, Chris Banjo. And again, feel free to correct me or uh, in the comments below. 
I think it was Chris Banjo that got added or like around this time and then like made the team. Uh, th- it's happened before where you have a player who gets added at the last second. I think it was either Bigby or Banjo, I believe. But um, there was also the the linebacker a few years ago who uh, made it as a special teamer whose name is escaping me that like got picked up um, you know, midway through training camp and then made it as a special teamer at the very end. You just never know. And they're going to keep the best 53. And if Micah Abernathy can go make a name for himself, all the power to him. Uh, that was a pretty impressive game for a guy that didn't, you know, get picked up that long ago and is, I'm sure, probably even still learning the playbook. So a fun night for Micah Abernathy. And just by the way, Micahs in Green Bay at safety tend to make uh, some big plays and Micah Abernathy doing his best Micah Hyde impression on Friday night. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Let's talk about these young wide receivers because the big NFL talking point this week is that Aaron Rodgers called out his young receivers and whatever, right? It's, it's just a topic of discussion. It's no big deal. There's nothing. It was literally much ado about nothing. But there is this, uh, it's legitimate issue with some of the young wide receivers and having issues. I thought Jawan Winfrey had a really nice night. I thought he gained consistent separation throughout the course of the evening, made some big catches. I thought he had a nice night. Romeo Dobbs, some ups and downs. He has the touchdown pass. He has another big completion, but he had the little crossing route that he dropped right over the middle. He did a poor job tracking the ball on the right side on what could have been a big play on a third down. So some ups and downs. I asked Jordan Love after the game, you know, about basically, I basically said like, hey, you've had a couple of really, you know, amazing moments with Romeo Dobbs, but you've had a couple moments where you've been just a hair off. Like, 
what's the, you know, how do you currently define your connection and what's the next step in that progression? And he like, he had a lot of positives to say about Romeo Dobbs. You could tell that he, you know, there was a little extra pep in him when he got to talk about, about Dobbs and what he's bringing to the team. You know, he made a great point too, of that, like, this is still a very new connection, which obviously, but, um, you know, I, you can tell just some of the upside there and listen, there's not a like zero, you know, chance that, this could be the future of the Green Bay Packers, right? Like Romeo Dobbs at wide receiver, Christian Watson at wide receiver, Jordan Love at quarterback. By, you know, two years from now, that could be it. That could be the driving force of this Packers offense. I'm not saying it will be, I'm just saying there's a non-zero chance that that could potentially be the case. So uh, you love some of the huge plays that they're making, but you'd like to see them just get a little bit more consistent. Romeo Dobbs, that has been a bit of an issue for him. Some of the drops, some of the routes, some of the run blocking. So he's got a lot to work on, but man, the flashes and the highs with Dobbs, just incredible. The, the high pointing of that football uh, was a beautiful thing to see. So uh, I thought he had an up and down night. Amari, I'm, I, I know Amari is a little bit quicker and he like lost some weight. And I know I did the big video in the off season of like, don't give up on him. And I'm still there. Don't give up on Amari Rogers. But like, that's a drop over the middle. There's another play where he didn't aggressively attack the football. Listen, if you are a smaller gadgety wide receiver, right? There's a couple things that you need. Usually speed is one of them. He doesn't have great speed. He's quicker this year than he was last year, but he doesn't have great speed. All right. Elusiveness would be another one. We saw the 50 yard return, but he didn't like make anybody miss. Uh, this was two weeks or you know, last week in the first preseason game. He didn't really make anyone miss. He made a good read to the outside and he got outside, but just kind of poor coverage, right? He hasn't made anyone miss on some of the end arounds, the reverses, his yards after the catch. It's just not been something, even though he's great at Clemson with it, it's, <clears throat> it's not something that he's done well in the NFL so far. He doesn't have great separation as a route runner. He doesn't have great hands. He doesn't have the ability to shield off defenders. He's not going up and getting the ball. He doesn't have great leaping ability. There's just a lot of limitations in his game. And if that's going to be you, you better be a good special teamer. He's not He's not been a great special teamer. Like, I just don't know. Like, if you ask me of these like eight wide receivers that could potentially make the roster, I, I kind of like all seven of the other ones ahead of Amari Rogers at this point. I still think there's potential there. I still think there's ways that he can help the team, but... I'm just I'm just left wanting a little bit more. I thought this was a tough night for Amari Rogers. And then Samari Toure, who's basically caught everything his way all training camp, has the opportunity at the big play and he drops the ball. So and it's not an easy catch. But listen, this is the NFL. It's not gonna be easy. You gotta go make the play. Samari Toure, a guy fighting for a roster spot, had the opportunity to come up with another big play, um, and he drops it. So I thought these young wide receivers who responded incredibly well in practice on Wednesday. Uh, did not do so in the, the preseason game against the Saints. And still, you know, some consistency issues. That's going to happen with young wide receivers, but I would have liked to have seen them bounce back and have just a really nice performance. And it just wasn't always the case. Although, like I said, I thought Jawan Winfrey had a nice night. Speaking of players who did not have a good performance, Tyler Davis did not have a good performance. This has been an absolute nightmare. He was the talk of early mini camps and OTAs. And like I said, I loved his tape and minimal snaps a season ago. I really liked his effort as a blocker. I liked his hands. I like I liked a lot about him. He's got good size. He's got good speed. And then Matt LaFleur mentions him. And Matt LaFleur mentions that Rich Pistachia mentions him. And Brian Gudikins mentions him. Like, un, like unprompted talking about Tyler Davis all throughout the offseason. 
and it's just been a nightmare in training camp and preseason so far. The drop a week ago that leads to the, that leads to the interception, a fumble this week that leads to a turnover. He had an awful, a couple awful blocks once again. He had a holding penalty. It is just bad. like he is no lock at the 53. And I know all the comments below are going to be like, cut Tyler Davis, cut Tyler Davis. Like there's still potential there. I promise you there is still potential there. And I guarantee you they don't just want to give up on that. But I'm, I'm more of the belief now that they probably will cut him. And I think they're probably going to get him back on the practice squad because I don't think anyone's watching that tape and be like, we got to claim Tyler Davis. It's just not been that good. And he's got to get better. The talent's there. I, I think he can be a good you know, tight end in this league. But man, he is off to a very, very rough start of training camp and preseason. Hopefully he can bounce back next week. Isaiah McDuffie, Chris Barnes, I thought had huge games. Listen, this Packers linebacker core might be four deep for the first time since Nick Barnett and A.J. Hawk and Desmond Bishop and Brandon Chiller. I loved how McDuffie and Barnes played in this game. McDuffie was awesome. Might be, besides, I think Jordan Love and Isaiah McDuffie, probably my two players of the game in this one. Uh, Chris Barnes played really well too. Uh, I just really think that this is a, a linebacker group where if you have some injuries, I think McDuffie and Barnes are going to be able to step up. I also will say... I think the the player who's improved the most, and Jordan Love certainly in this conversation as well, but from the, a year ago today, you know, till right now, it might be Isaiah McDuffie. He is flying around. He is playing strong football. He is playing way stronger than he like just physically. He's more physical than he, way more physical than he was a year ago. He has taken a pretty major step, and I think he's past Chris Barnes actually, and might end up being linebacker number three. Love the play by Danny Etling. For those who didn't catch the uh, post-game press conference, that was not a call to read option. That was just a handoff. They called it a handoff. And Etling sees the safety crash down and realizes that there's got, not going to be anyone on that side. He reads it. He, keep, he realizes that everyone's crashing down. He keeps it, goes for the touchdown. And I don't know if I've mentioned it on here before, but there are times where Etling is like running through camp and he likes doing this thing where he just sprints through camp. Listen, Danny Etling was transitioned to wide receiver at one point in the NFL. Like the dude's got legitimate jets. He is so freaking fast, especially for a quarterback. He showed off that speed and that was a fun play to watch and really the play that sealed the victory for the Packers. I was hoping to see a little bit more pass rush. I did see um, a couple pressures from Kingsley and Nigbari when I went back and watched the tape, but for a defensive front that was dominating the Saints all week long, I was, or at least the two practices, I was hoping for a bit more pressure. We didn't see it. I wanted a little bit of a stronger performance from Kingsley and Nigbari, who was almost unblockable for the past week. So um, it didn't happen that way. Like I said, I want to watch the tape a little bit more, uh, but I was hoping for a little bit more from the pass rush. And then, you know, sort of last but not least, um, we sort of got this a little bit of a preview of like probably Patrick Taylor versus Tyler Goodson and who gets that number three running back spot. Goodson, 10 carries, 42 yards, one catch, 10 yards. Uh, Patrick uh, Taylor had eight rushes for 27 yards. So a better day for Goodson. Matt LaFleur basically, uh, he said that this is going to come down to special teams. Goodson, I believe has actually played more special team snaps. Patrick Taylor did have a very big um, tackle on special teams, but and you watch these two running backs, and you you guys know, for anyone that's been listening to me, I like Patrick Taylor. I, I think Patrick Taylor's had a little bit of a disappointing camp. And, you know, I just, there's there's not the burst of the juice there right now for Taylor. And you watch Tyler Goodson and Patrick Taylor run, and I know they're different backs, but man, the, the juice and the one-cut ability and the ability to explode upfield for Tyler Goodson is just totally different. And his ability to receive out of the backfield, he has gotten plenty of special team snaps. I just think you got to go Tyler Goodson in that situation. I just think he's been the better football player so far, and I thought that was the same case on Sunday night. 
That is going to do it for me today. I am losing my voice. It is 1.42 in the morning as I'm recording this. I am dead tired, uh, but I appreciate you guys uh, joining me uh, every single day. It is absolutely amazing. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. I would greatly appreciate that. I will be right back here tomorrow to break things down even a little bit greater uh, as I have the opportunity to go through the tape a little bit more. But until next time, and as always, Go Pack Go! time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.